asking yourself, what do I do while I wait? And the word for you is worship him. Tell somebody worship him. Worshiping. That's the word for someone here today. While you wait, do what? Worshiping. Worship him. He's waiting for you. So you are not the only one waiting. He's also waiting for you. When you worship him, you will meet him. Amen. You will hear him. Amen. And you will go with him. Bigger than every mountain. Bigger than all my fears. God is bigger than every mountain. And all cannot see. My God is bigger than all confusion. Oh, bigger than all my fears. God is bigger than every mountain. I cannot That song is a message to someone here today that God is bigger. Amen. No matter what the situation you are going through, God is bigger. Amen. Tell somebody God is, bigger. God is bigger. And if God is bigger, that problem cannot overcome you. Amen. That mountain cannot overcome you. You are, an, you are an overcomer. Amen. And you have a testimony in Jesus' name. 
Father, we thank you for this morning. We lift your name on high. Accept our thanks in Jesus' name. As we go into your go with us, speak to us, teach us. Let your name be glorified. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's have our seats. We are welcome to his presence. It's the first Sunday in the month of June. And this month is our month of divine presence. Is a month of what? Our time is fast spent. We will spend a lot of time worshipping God, but it's not time wasted. Because God is building upon what he has started. And your blessings will not be found in Jesus' name. Exodus 33, verse 13 to 14. The message will be short because I know we have quite a few things to do and we want to keep to time. Exodus 33, verse 13 to 14. Exodus 3, verse 30 to 40. He said, Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. Verse 14. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. Amen. So this month we are going to be looking at that topic, divine presence. Divine presence. And when you look at the passage we just, uh, we just read, in verse 13, the Bible talks of grace twice. Can you show verse 13 again? He said, if I have found grace in your sight, show me thy way, that I may know thee. Then it goes on to say that I may do what? He said, if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way, that I may know thee. Then again he says that I may find grace. But you said you found grace already. And then you are saying, show me your way. I want to know you. Again, you go back to that. I may do what? That I may find grace. And brethren, it's not a mistake. There are levels of grace. There are levels of grace. There is a grace, the Bible calls, the grace that bringeth salvation. That's the starting point. In Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Titus verses 11 and 12. Titus 2, 11 and 12. Like I said, we are just introducing the topic today. I know we still have a lot of things, and we are not going to take much of our time. Titus 2, 11 to 12 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. So the grace that bringeth salvation hath appeared to how many men? So either, I mean, we've had different languages here today. We've had uh, Edo, we've had uh, Igbo, we've had Yoruba. We've even gone to India. Uh, so, either it's uh, Filipino, Chinese, the grace has appeared to all men. But look at verse 12. He said, teaching us. Teaching who? All. So, the grace has appeared to how many men? men. But is that grace teaching all men? Somebody is not sure. Is the grace teaching all men? Okay, maybe we should vote. Some people are saying yes. Some people are saying. <laughs> he said the grace has appeared to all men. But see, that grace is teaching us. Who are the us? Those that receive, those that have made use of the first grace. The first grace appeared to us and brought salvation unto us. Remember, the Bible says that the word was preached to us the same way it was preached unto them. He said, but in us, the word met with what? It met with faith. 
Whereas in them, the word did not meet with faith. Now, there is a demarcation between the first grace and the second grace. The first grace brings salvation. Those who have, excuse me, who have accepted that salvation are the ones that are now being taught. That are being taught to go to the next level. Because what does it say? Teaching us that doing what? Denying ungodliness. How can you deny ungodliness when your life is a personification of what? Ungodliness. When you have not given your life, your life to Christ, you are, I mean, ungodliness means nothing to you. Is that not so? When you are not born again, the end justifies the means. Have we had that statement before? The end justifies the means is the statement of a man who is not what? Who is not born again. You do anything to arrive at whatever goal you have set for yourself. Either the, the, the means is godly or what? Or ungodly. It's because that life is not yet given to Christ. It's because that brother or that sister is not born again. Can you ask your neighbor, are you born again? It's a very simple but very important question. Because brethren, there are some men and women here today who are not what? Who are not born again. They are just in church. They are just in church. And that is not enough. Being in church will not take you to heaven. Like I always say, don't make me a lonely man in heaven. If you know you are going to heaven, tell your neighbor, don't make me a lonely man or woman in heaven. Only those that know they are going to heaven can make that statement. Because when we get to heaven, brethren, I will look around. And the question is, will I find you there? Will you be there? Will I say, bro, oh, we made it, hallelujah. Oh, my sister, you are here, hallelujah. Or will I be looking around and say, ah, I know how many people are in Christ chapel. Uh -uh. Why am I the only one here? Can you tell your neighbor again, don't make me a lonely person in heaven. So the purpose of the grace of God that bringeth salvation is to open the door of heaven unto us. That's why Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born of water and the blood, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Will you enter into the kingdom of God? Will there be a place for you in, in the kingdom of God? So that's the first grace. But then, after the first grace, the second grace will now do what? Teach us. What are the things that that grace is teaching us? The first thing it talks about is what? Denying. Denying ungodliness. We have got to deny ungodliness. I'm going to be looking at some of those things in depth as much as we can. But we must realize that the Bible says that we must grow in grace. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. So the grace that brought salvation is not enough. Tell somebody it's not enough. We must grow in grace. Tell someone you must grow in grace. It's a must. It's a command, brethren. It says, but grow in grace. Can we show it on the screen? Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. It says, but grow in grace. And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's very important. 
Because the reason many of us are not growing in grace is that it's because we are not doing what? We are not growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Remember, we said our theme for the month is what? Divine presence. You cannot be a carrier of that divine presence if you don't want to know him. If you don't want to increase in his knowledge. So we are challenged to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So growing in grace will set aside what our general adversary calls irresponsible grace. You know what irresponsible grace is? Irresponsible grace is the license to sin. It's a license to iniquity. It's the grace that tells you anything goes. It's the grace that tells you grace covers all sin. You just sin. Once you have given your life to Christ, you are going to heaven. The question is, which heaven? Can you ask your neighbor, which heaven? Is it the heaven that Paul is in? Is it the heaven that Peter is in? Is it the heaven where Jesus is Lord? Is that the heaven you are going to? And you are still swimming in fornication? And you are still, I mean, uh, uh, masquerading adultery? And you are still saying that sin does not matter. God understands. Can you please ask your neighbor again, which heaven are you going to? Because some heavens are no heaven. You know, in geography, or is it in geography or is it in the Bible? Uh, geography doesn't talk of first heaven, second heaven, third heaven. They have names for them. But the Bible talks of first heaven, second heaven, and the third heaven. We are made to understand that the third heaven is what? Is the abode of God. The second heaven is where all the hindering spirits, demon and I mean devil and his demons, is where they, they cohabit. And it's a, they are strategically located there. So that when there is answer from the third heaven, they can do what? They try to hinder it. They will not hinder your prayer. Amen. I said they will not succeed at hindering your prayers. Amen. And of course, the first heaven is just the atmosphere. Anything above your head is the first heaven. So when you are now talking about the heaven you are going to, the heaven we are talking about is what? Is the third heaven. The seat of God. The place from which the new Jerusalem will do what? Will descend. That's where we are going. That's where I'm going. I'm going. And you will get there in Jesus' name. Yes. Some people are not talking because either they are sure they are not going there or they are not sure. I tell your neighbor, are you sure? Are you going to that heaven? You will make it in Jesus' name. So it's very important. I said today is just an introduction. It's an introduction. There is a grace that brings salvation. But there is a grace that teaches us. And only those who have accepted that salvation are taught. The teaching is not to all. The teaching is only to those who have been called and chosen. Because they have received Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior. Now I said earlier on, what are the teachings of the grace? The first teaching of this grace is you must deny ungodliness. Tell somebody deny ungodliness. Deny ungodliness. That's very easy. Is that also? What is ungodliness? What is ungodliness? Ungodliness, simply put, is wickedness. Ungodliness is what? You know what the Bible defines wickedness is? as? He said, 
people that have rejected the sacrifice of the Son of God on the cross of Calvary, he said they are wicked. Can you ask somebody, are you wicked? Uh, you are not asking. It's a question we must all answer. Are we, I mean, you know Paul said one thing. He said, I do not take the grace of God in vain. He said, there's grace available to me. But I'm not taking it in vain. I'm not saying because, he said, he went on to say, I was not disobedient to the heavenly calling. There's an essence, brethren. You will not be found wanting in Jesus' name. Amen. Denying ungodliness. Ungodliness, again, is a lack of respect towards God. I think we can understand that better. Is that not so? A lack of what? How do we show respect for God? I've, I've said it here before, a song I had when I was, I mean, when I was in, I think I was in high school or in the university, that says, how do you treat God? Like a G-O-G or like a what? D-O-G. And those of us that come from God's own country, we know that, uh, you know, our dogs, we call them, a popular name for dogs is Bingo. I, I mean, Many of us, I don't know where that name came from. But they just call they just call I'm sure if you have many dogs together and you call bingo, you just have and half of them will be coming towards you. But what do you give to bingo is your leftover amala. Whatever you eat in the house is what? Is what bingo eats. It's not like this part of the world that uh, dogs eat what human beings don't eat. So the question is, how do you treat God? Is your God a God for whom the leftovers are designed? Or is he the God that comes first? The Bible says, seek ye first, what? And his righteousness. And every other thing shall be added unto you. Brethren, wealth that God has not given unto you cannot last. Are we together, brethren? The wealth that God has not given unto you cannot do what? When the accident comes. And I pray it's not, it's not going to come to you in Jesus' name. Amen. When that accident comes, it's, ah, thank God, though. You know, the vehicle was a wreck and all that and all that. And I don't, and I don't have a, a insurance. Eh, but at least we're able to buy another one. Then we start asking questions. When they said, bring your tithe to the house of God, it's not because you bring your tithe. I mean, uh, that's all we sustain, Pastor. It's an investment. It's what? He said, I will rebuke the devourer on your behalf. He said, the devourer shall not have access to what? To your resources. Because you put God first. Remember we are talking about what? Putting God first. So it's, I mean, we didn't just start talking about uh, come and pay money tight. No. We are talking about putting God first. You put God first by making first in everything you do. And one aspect of it is, what do you do with your money? Where does God stand with your money? Please ask your neighbor, where does God stand? With your money. That's number one. When do you pray in your day? Or maybe put it better, where does God stand in your day? Are we together? When you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing that you do? Somebody that's in the spirit. Thank God. Is that the theory or the practical? 
And you know, we know what should be done. But then what do we do? Amen? That sister is in the spirit. When you wake up in the morning, the first thing you check is what? WhatsApp. Yes. That game they were playing when you fell asleep. You want to know the result. Did Raptors win? Have the leaves been eliminated? Did Nigeria qualify? How many of us know that Nigeria is currently playing in another 20 World Cup? Some people only know Arsenal and Chelsea. Amen? When you wake up in the morning, that's the first thing. You want to look at. But should that be the first? Is the result going anywhere? It's not going anywhere. They've played the game. Make God first. Tell me when you make God first. It has to start with the simple things, brethren. The simple things. The simple things. Your examination is three hours. You get to the exam hall. You want to start writing the exam. What should be the first thing you do? Some of us will, will like that very well. Because in the first exam, we are not even prepared for this. <laughs> but do you know that, that the two minutes or one minute that you pray, <laughs> some of it is two seconds. <laughs> Say, plus Jesus, man, or Satan is Jesus. <laughs> The, the one minute you spend to pray might save you failure in that exam. Do you realize that? I mean, the Joe shared one testimony with us before. I will soon be rounding up. He got to the exam hall. He looked at the question paper. Question number one, blank. Question number two, blank. He said maybe there were five questions. He went through all the questions. His head was blank. And he sat down for about ten minutes. And then he was about to stand up. Well, I mean, I'm just wasting my time. I don't know this question. Then he sat down again and said, God, do what? Help me. Help me. Somebody shall say, God, God. Help, me. help me. Say, Lord, Lord. Help, me. help me. It will help you in Jesus' name. Amen. He sat down, took a deep breath, and started looking at the questions. He said, look at the question. I said, ah, I know this question. Uh. He would have stood up and said, until next time. He solved it. Look at question number two. Ah, I know this one too. He said by the time he finished, he solved, I mean, this is how that they would say, they give you some questions, uh, maybe five answer four or, or six answer four. He ended up solving all the questions. I said, well, examiner, choose the one you like. The one you like. <laughs> now, this was a situation where he would have stood up and gone, thinking all was lost. We are talking about doing what? Putting God first. You want to take a mortgage? They have told you, these people are the best. Go to them. And say, ah, if they were the ones that did for Sister Moradeke and Brother Fadeke, then I will go for that. But all you need to do is do what? Pray. That's all. Some delays are orchestrated by God. Do you realize that? You book an appointment that tomorrow I will go to social and so please. But God is all in all in your life. You just commit it to the hands of God. And when you are supposed to go, what happens? You forget. In fact, you are sound asleep. By the time you wake up, the appointment is over. It's not time to cry. It's time to thank God. Because there's a better appointment. I said there's a better appointment. 
I said there's a better appointment. Deny ungodliness. Ungodliness simply means not referencing God. Not giving God his place in your life. Do you realize, brethren, that ungodliness is the motivation for the ascendancy of the gay and lesbian movement? Is somebody with me? That's the motivation. That's the foundation. Go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 from verse 19 to verse 27. I'm not going to read all of it. But when you begin to read, you realize that it is ungodliness that made God to declare. The Bible says to, to give them to what? Reprobate minds. Romans chapter 1 verse 19 to 27. Verse 21, it said, Because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they do what? They became fools. Is that not what we are doing now? The wise ones are those that will argue for the LGBTQ, whatever, whatever. They have so many acronyms. And I can assure you, they will add, still add more to them. You know what they call confusion? It's also LG, LG, whatever, whatever. That's confusion. And they are confusing themselves. It's simple. They decided to throw, I mean, to tread the path of ungodliness. They say, wherefore God gave them to uncleanness, unclean trust, I mean, uncleanness through the loss of their own heart to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. They changed the truth of God into a lie. They worship. And serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Amen. For this cause, God gave them all to vile affection. Even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, the men, living the natural use of the woman, born in their lust one towards another, men with men, walking that which is unseemly, receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was made. So when you hear error, the foundation is spiritual. The foundation is what? Spiritual. Shun ungodliness. Let God be God in your life. That is the basis of the teaching that will take you to the next level. There are five other things we are going to be talking about there. We will continue next week. It's our month of divine presence. You know the Bible says one thing about God? He said he is too holy to do what? If you are a compendium of iniquity, will God dwell with you? Brethren, there is no exception. I hope you realize that. God makes no exception to sin. God makes no exception for sin. I know the message today is not the type somebody here wants to hear. But it's the type God wants to give. Because God loves you. Can you tell somebody near you that God loves you? God loves you. Because some people don't realize that. Some people don't know that God loves them. Tell your neighbor again, God loves you. God loves and his purpose for creating you is eternity for him, with him in heaven. It's worship. Worship that is unadulterated. So that he can look at and say, that is my son. That is my daughter. He or she was created for a divine purpose. You will not fail that divine purpose in Jesus' name. Let's bow down our heads. Let's bow down our heads. Divine presence.
He wants to be present in your life and in your situation. But he cannot compromise on sin. On sin. The Bible says he's too, he's, he's too holy to behold iniquity. Why don't you just examine yourself this uh, afternoon and ask God, whatever is in me that will be a hindrance, whatever is in me that will, make, that, that will disqualify me from this heaven where Paul and Peter are, this heaven where Jesus is, this heaven where the living God is, Father, wash me, cleanse me today. Yes, I want to and I will and I will, I will turn a new leaf. Tell, talk to him. You are talking to your father. Not to me. Not to me. Talk to him. He's here for you. Maybe you are here, you are not born again. This is the time to give your life to Christ. The first uh, grace is the grace for salvation. It's the grace for all. For all of us. If you've not given your life to Christ, this is the opportunity to do so. You are here and you want to raise up your hand and say, Lord, I yield my life to you. Come into my life today. Or you are watching us online. You are not born again. This is the time to be born again. If you are making that decision, just say, we say, Lord Jesus, I come before the throne of mercy. I come before the throne of grace. Have mercy upon me. Touch me and make me whole. Write my name in the book of life. Whatever stands for ungodliness, wickedness, Lack of reverence for you in my life. Father, approach in the name of Jesus. Take control and have your way. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. And Father, I pray for every one of your children here today. The grace to live a holy life. Father, grant unto us. The grace to be able to stand in your presence. Like Elijah said. He said, as the Lord lives before whom I stand. Father, grant unto us in the name of Jesus. Let none of us be a castaway. Glorify Him in our lives. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for we pray in Jesus' name.